Welcome to Cornerstone Community Church. We're glad to have you as we've uh, continuing in our Modern Family series. Uh, of course, we started last week and talked a little bit about the who and the why and the what of this message. And so we're excited for it to continue. Uh, next week, uh, John and Cheryl Reeves are going to be here. And, and if you don't know who John and Cheryl Reeves are, I encourage you, strongly encourage you to be here next week as as, as John is, is a guy who was, uh, has been and, and still is a, a mentor in my brother's life, uh, has had a huge influence on him. He spent some time at Emmaus, uh, John did, and, and they live in Dubuque now, planting a church there. He's been a guy that has impacted the kingdom um, through, through the planting of churches across uh, the country and has impacted people through his marriage and his family. And him and his wife and their kids, to me, are a great picture of a model of, of what a family should look like. And, and so I'm encouraged and, and excited uh, for them to be here next week and would encourage you guys, find somebody, invite somebody, and uh, challenge them to come next week because I think it's going to be an awesome week. So I want to start with that. Uh, before I begin, uh, let, us, let us pray together. God, we, we thank you and we ask you to come to meet with us this morning. God, we, we recognize that each of us are in different places with our walk with you at different places in our relationship with your son, different places in where we are with our family, whether we're single, whether we're divorced, whether we're married, whether we have kids or we don't have kids. And God, we, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, and most importantly, that you would point us to yourself, point us to your son. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I, I want to start, uh, you know, talking about the issue of the family. And I, I was looking this week and, and talking to, and uh, looking at uh, the Barna Research Group. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with the, the Barna Research Group, he's a guy, George Barna, that goes and, and they basically interview people, they ask questions, and they give a lot of, of great data about what's going on with the culture, what's going on with the family, all different sorts of things. And I was inter interested in this idea of the broken home and the broken family and, and this idea of divorce. And it's something that we probably don't talk a lot about in the church, but we understand that it's, it's real. We understand, as, as Tim was talking about last week, in, in having a heart for, for marriages, we understand that we want to attack it before it's an issue. And, and Tim and Kara, through, through what's happened in their life and through struggles that have taken place, have a have great opportunity to share and encourage and challenge other people. But their heart is, what can we do now? How can we encourage and challenge and build each other up in our marriages now to have healthy families? And so that's what we want to do as a church. And so I was, I was challenged by this. And, and I first want to say that, you know, if, if you've been divorced or you've gone through a divorce, you know, this isn't to look back and make you feel guilt or anything like that. What this is, is for us to, to look back, not, not to dwell on the past, but to go forward and to learn. And as, as, as parents, to, to learn and to teach our children how to help healthy relationships and how to help have healthy marriages. And so we want to talk about this and be challenged by it. Here are some of the stats that, that Barna had shared. 78% of Americans marry, all right? So basically four out of every, fair, uh, four out of every fair, five Americans, I'll get there, four out of every five Americans marry. In the evangelical Christians, 84%. So that number is a little higher amongst evangelicals. 33% of marriages end in divorce. 
one out of every three marriages, um, meaning one out of four Americans get a divorce. Out of the adults in America today, again, not everyone gets married, but about one out of every four American adults get a divorce. That number among evangelical Christians is about one in four marriages, 20%, 26% of evangelicals get a divorce. And so as we were talking about this, and as, as Tim and I were, were praying and discussing this series, we, we wanted to address things like this. We wanted to address the struggles and the hurts and the pains that come in marriage. Not, not only on the back end, but man, how can we, how can we begin to, to talk about this now before there are issues? How can we begin to address these things now and so we can build healthy marriages, healthy families? And so that's our heart in, in this series and even today it's not that we're dwelling on the negative, but how do we avoid it? So as we talk about this idea, uh, we want to talk about kind of the, the important thing in a family. And if we were to ask you the question about what's important, if there's one thing I could pass on to my kids, or there's one thing I could do for my family, what would it be? If you'd ask and you take a survey, many people would probably say, well, I want to leave money to my kids. I want to make sure they're financially stable. And so when I'm gone, I know they're taken care of. I want to I wanna give some, some order or discipline so my children, when they grow up, will be responsible adults. I want to lavish love on my kids. I want to give them time and energy that they know I'm around. And these are all, none of them are, are bad things. But what we want to talk about this morning is the most important thing you can give your family. The most important thing you can give your family. I saw a quote recently, and this is by a co Theodore Hesburgh, and he used to be the uh, president at uh, Notre Dame University, and he said, the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. The most important thing a father can do for their family, for his children, is to love their mother. And this is kind of where I want to go this morning, although I want to broaden it, not just to fathers, I mean, that's a great thing. If you're a father in here, know this, that the greatest thing you can do for your kids is to love their mom. And the greatest impact you can have in, in raising your children to be godly parents, to have godly relationships, to have a godly marriage, is to love your wife. But we want to broaden it. Beyond just men, we also want to talk about women. And the most important thing you can do for your family it's simply this, the most important thing you can do for your family is to love your spouse, is to love your spouse. There is an order. God has designed it in such a way that the family, spouse, and children, the most important thing in your family is to love your spouse. It doesn't mean we don't love our kids. It doesn't mean we don't have great relationships with our kids. But my kids should know that my relationship with my wife and my love for my wife is greater than my love for them. And you may be sitting there, oh, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, we can't do that. You know, that can't be. That can't be the way that God has designed it. Yet, as we look, and we're going to take a look at Scripture, is this is how God has designed it. That the most important thing in your family is loving your spouse. And so no matter where you are, if you've been married for years, or recently married, or thinking about mar getting married, this is something we need to realize. That the way in which God has designed this is that we love our spouse. More than we love our kids, we love our spouse. It begins, uh, really, it begins in creation. 
And you can go back to Genesis chapter 2, and it says this in Genesis 2, 18 and 24. It is not good, this is God speaking, it is not good for man to be alone. And that is why a man, in verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. God has designed it, Genesis chapter 2. The first relationship that God gives is that of a husband and a wife. This is how God designed it. He gives a husband and a wife. And it's not until two chapters later in Genesis chapter 4 that we see kids come into play. Now, this isn't a message on, you know, let's forget about our kids, let's just concentrate. We want to love our kids, and it's great that we love our kids. It's great that we want to invest in our kids' lives, but we want to remember God has designed it in such a way that the most important relationship in the family is that you love your spouse, that a husband loves his wife, that a wife loves her husband. This is how God has designed it. It continues on in a few places. God's design, if you read through Ephesians 5 and 6, it's talking about the family. Colossians chapter 3, talking about the family. Titus 2, 4, talking about the family. And anytime you read through these passages, where does it begin in the discussion of the family? It begins husbands and wives. All right, this is how God has designed it. This is how he has set it up. The most important relationship you can have in your family is that with your spouse, that you love your wife, that you love your husband. This is the most important thing in your family relationship, loving your spouse. Titus 2.4 says this, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. All right, I picked on the husbands here earlier and said the most important thing a father can do for their children is to love their wife. Here in, in Titus 2.4, urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. Again, the sequence, the way God has designed it, the way God has set it up, this is on purpose. Husbands first, children second. God has designed it in such a way, if we are going to have a healthy family, a healthy family, we learn to love our spouse even more than we love our children. See, our problem is not that we, do, that we don't love our kids, but it's often more that we love our kids more than our spouse. And again, the most important thing we can do in our marriage is what? Of what? Love your spouse. The most important thing you can do in your marriage is to love your spouse. The goal of, of parenting is simple, right? The goal of uh, as parents, as, as people who believe the Bible, as believe that, that the Bible is God's spoken word, our goal for our kids is that we raise them up in such a way that they follow God. We raise our kids, we, we, we uh, teach them what God says, we teach them how to live their lives and do it in such a way that when they get older, they don't depart from it. When they get older, they, they search the scriptures, they know the scriptures and they follow what God has commanded them and how God has commanded them to live their life. Our goal as parents, for my kids, as someone who believes the scripture, is I want them to, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, to follow his ways all the days of their life. See, our goals as followers of Jesus, that's what we want for our children. We, we want them to glorify God. We want them to live their lives that, that reflects that Jesus died for them. That, that God gave his son for them. And so our goal in parenting 
is that we do that. So we understand that this is done through teaching. We know that we want to teach, that we want to teach them, okay, here's what the Bible says. Here's what we need to do. This is how we do it. These are some of the things we should be involved with, certain ways in which we should live. That's important. We need to teach. But here's what, what else is important. So many more times something is caught instead of being taught. When we learn is when we catch something, not when it's taught to us. In other words, it's learned when it's actually modeled in front of us. Easier to be caught than to be taught. And so it's important that our marriage, our lives are modeled for our children. That's why the marriage is so important. See, if I tell my kids, we were talking about this a little last week. All right, here's what the Bible says. Here's what it says and how we should live our lives. And yet that's not modeled for them. Their faith becomes nothing more than just a, you know, coming on Sunday or going on a Wednesday or being involved in a youth group. Their faith is not deep. Their faith is not real because they haven't seen real faith and a real love for God and a real love for their spouse lived out for them. We learn much more when something is caught rather than taught. I, I grew up in, you know, in a home that uh, basketball was kind of prevalent. My dad coached basketball. You know, he liked basketball. He loved basketball. And so he would tell me about basketball. That's great. I could learn that way. But it wasn't, I didn't really begin to learn basketball until he was my coach, until I started playing basketball in, down in Salvation Army uh, down in Des Moines. And he was my coach and then began to, to learn, right, by being taught, by being modeled, by being hands-on. That's when I learned. I began to real estate. My dad used to always talk about real estate when we were growing up and tell us about this house or that house. That, that was great. But... I didn't learn about real estate until I saw it modeled in front of me, until I followed him around, until I learned how to do it. Because we catch something is, is much easier caught than taught. And so we can tell our kids exactly how they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to live their lives, the things they're supposed to be involved with, how they're supposed to, to love people, how they're supposed to cherish their wife, how they're supposed to, to, to take care of their spouse. I can tell them but you know where they're really going to learn? You know where they're really going to begin to live that type of life? When I model it for them. If I want my son to grow up to be a husband that realizes the greatest thing I can do for my kids is to love my wife, then the greatest thing I can do is model that for him. Same way, if we want Ava to be a woman that loves her husband, a woman who cares for her children and takes care of the household, the greatest thing that Karen can do is model it for. And so that's what we want, is we want to be people, we want to have marriages and families where it is modeled for our kids. Yes, we need to teach them. Yes, we need to show them what Scripture says. We need to, to tell them how God has intended them to live their lives and the things that he's intended them to do. But it's much more easy to be caught than taught. So we want to, we want to do that. We want to model it for our uh, for our families. I want to give you kind of three action points as we talk about this. Three action points. The first one is to revere and esteem your spouse, to build up, to speak into, to, to challenge, to encourage, to do whatever it is for your spouse. And this can be a difficult thing at times, right? If I feel that my wife has wronged me, 
in some, she wouldn't do that, obviously. But if I feel that she has wronged me in some way, oftentimes my, my attitude and my behavior comes, well, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm, you know, if she's not going to esteem me, I'm not going to esteem her. If she's not going to speak kind words to me, I'm not going to speak kind words to her. The world has taught us that, right? You know, if somebody wrongs us, we're going to wrong them. Okay, this is kind of how we treat our marriages oftentimes. We, we, we're wronged, and we're not quick to make it right. Rainy and Sherry, when we, when we got married or when we were engaged, ready to get married, we, we did some counseling with Rick and Rhonda Gentozzi, and we met with Randy and Sherry Nesbitt. And I remember one thing that Randy and Sherry Nesbitt told us. It says, a marriage is not 50-50. It is not 50-50. It's not compromise here, compromise there. A marriage is you, Kyle, giving 100%. It's you, Karen, giving 100%. Our actions and how we treat our spouse is not to be reflective of how they treat us. It's not to be reflective of how they treat us. A marriage is 100%, and you need to outserve your spouse. No matter what they do, you do it better. 100%. We're not trying to compromise. We're not trying to meet halfway. We're trying to outserve, outlove, out esteem, out all these things our spouse. Not that it's a competition or I want to one up her, but that I love her. I want to care for her. I want to model it to my children. So we want to give 100%. I want you to do a little exercise here. If your spouse is with you, I want you to look at your spouse a second. Make eye contact. This will work. We can do it, all right? I want you to tell your spouse that you are not perfect. You are not perfect. Eye contact. All right, now I don't know how you said it. If you told them you are not perfect, this would probably tell you a lot about yourself. If you told them they're not perfect, or you told them that I'm not perfect, all right? There's a difference in that. <coughs> now I want you to say the other thing to your spouse. So if you told them they're not perfect, now you tell them you're not perfect, uh, yourself. Okay, all right. We, we understand we are not perfect, okay? We are not perfect. Here, here's the beautiful thing, what God has done for us. God has modeled this for us. You talk about modeling. God has modeled this for us. Uh, uh, Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. See, we didn't earn what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. There wasn't this, all right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then God will lavish his love upon me, and then God will give me his son. No. While we were enemies of God, God gave us his son, Jesus. And what a picture for our marriage. As we talk about outserving, as we talk about giving 100%, it doesn't matter if I've been wronged. Because I wronged God, I continued to wrong God, and yet while I was his enemy, he gave me Jesus. And so it doesn't matter my response or, or, or my, my spouse's response to me. What I'm supposed to do is love and esteem and build into my spouse, no matter what happens. My wife does this a whole lot better than me, right? You know, if... if if we get in a fight, and again, you know, it's never my wife's fault, but if we, if we get in a fight, you know, my, my response is, oh, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. I don't want to talk to her. If she's going to treat me like that, no, I'm not going to deal with it, you know? 
That's how I tend to look at it. My, lot, probably a lot of our initial reactions may be like that, or maybe it's just us, I don't know. But, but my wife is one, not maybe initially always, but she tends to be, more often than I, is the one who wants to make the wrongs right, who wants to say, all right, let's work this out. You know, Kyle, despite you being a jerk, an idiot, I still love you, still care for you, still esteem you, and she'll build into me. And so she models this often for me, and she does such a, a better job of it than I do. That despite my wrong, she still esteems me. She still builds into me. That's important in the marriage. If we were to have strong and healthy and godly marriages, no matter what our spouse has done to wrong us, we still want to build in, we still want to give 100% and serve and love our spouse. It's important to revere and esteem our spouse. The second thing is we want to make time for our spouse. We live in an age and a time and when the kids tend to be the focus of the family, right? You're running to soccer practice, to basketball practice, to band, you know, whatever it is, we're running our kids all over the place. We spend a lot of time hauling our kids from school to activities and to doing all these things. And so often our families and our kids become a focal point of our life. Now, obviously it's, it's great to have your kids involved in things, to be a part of things, you know, whether it be sports, whatever, that, that, that is good. That is not a bad thing. Don't, don't hear me say that. We want them to, to be involved in the things, uh, not of the world, but to be in the world, to be involved. Those, those are important things. But the problem is that some of the busiest families that I know have some of the loneliest marriages because you're going here and you're going there and you're doing this and you're doing that and there's no time and energy invested into your spouse. And you remember, right, what's the most important thing in a marriage? To love your spouse. And the greatest thing you can do for your kids is to love your spouse, to love their mom, to love their dad. That's the greatest thing we can do in a marriage. And so it's important that we make time for our spouse, to spend time with them. We, we've purpose at different times in our life to, you know, have a, did anybody do a like, kind of a weekly date night? All right, we, we've purposed at certain times, Jeff, thank you. It's good somebody's paying attention, involved, I need that. You know, we, we have purposed in times to, to have a, you know, kind of a weekly date night. Now, we've not done a great job of it, but here's the deal. Having a weekly date night doesn't mean you have to go have a four-course meal and, you know, 801 grand or something like that. That, that doesn't have to happen every week. A weekly date night can simply be, all right, let's put the kids to bed. It's mommy and daddy time, all right? And so we put the kids to bed, and we spend time together, right? That, that, that could be it. I'm not asking you to go spend thousands of dollars every week. But the purpose and the point is you need to make time on a weekly basis to be with your spouse. My wife was watching the Today Show uh, this week, and, and one thing that they had mentioned on there is that even greater than a weekly Date night is spending uh, oh, how many days or does it, a few days, a, a small vacation together without your kids. 
They said it can do more for your marriage than a weekly date night. If you can find a time to have a vacation with just you and your spouse and no kids, that that can do more for a marriage than a weekly date night. And this, you know, we, we like that. that. That was music to our ears because this is something we tend uh, to, to put into practice. We find times to, you know, uh, just, just to make a weekend or a longer week with just my spouse and I. And we can attest to that. I, I think both of us would say that when we've had that time, when it's just us, no kids, just us getting away together, that that has done more for our marriage than anything else. Well, maybe not anything else, but it's a great asset to our marriage, a great, a great thing that we can build into our marriage. And, you know, we stand up here, and I stand up here, and I don't pretend, I meant to say this in the beginning, but I don't pretend that I've got it all together, because I don't. I don't have it all together. I don't have a perfect marriage, all right? That's, it's, it's not perfect, but we have a marriage that has probably deepened every year. Our relationship has grown every year. Our first marriage, <laughs> our first marriage, our first, <laughs> whoops, our, our first year of marriage, well, we, I would say it was awful. You know, we, we didn't really enjoy our first year of marriage. We loved each other, and we were growing, and we were deepening our relationship. But I think both of us would tell you, really, every year, our relationship has grown and has deepened as we spent time together, as we've gone away on trips together or had weekly date nights. Our, our, our relationship has deepened and it's grown through the course of our 10 years being married. So we don't pretend that we've got it all together. We don't pretend that we know all the answers because we don't. But we've got a growing and loving and deepening relationship and marriage with each, with each other. And she's gotten to the point where she can tell me I'm a jerk and I'm an idiot and feels free in doing that. We want to make time for our spouse. All right, again, we at Cornerstone, we, we want to be pro-kids. Okay, we, we love our kids. We talk about it often. We'll have them come up here. We'll have them sing. We'll have them do all these things. We're pro-kids. We love our kids. That's important to us. So this is, again, not a message in which we say, all right, forget about the kids, constrain your spouse. We don't forget about our kids, but, again, we, we model for them. We show them through, through spending time together with our spouse. There will also be seasons when you're busy. Now, there will be seasons when having a, a, a weekly date night won't be possible. Karen and I right now going through a season where we don't get to spend a lot of time together. We don't get to be with each other. But it's important for us to know that. Okay, here's what's going on in our life. You know, we've got basically about three or four different jobs right now until, you know, March comes around and things are going to slow down. And so we understand that. We talk through it. The problem becomes when a time becomes a season and a season becomes just a way of life, Right? So we need to take these times, talk about it, but not let it become year, not let it become years where it can destroy our marriage. So we revere and esteem our spouse, and we take time to be with our spouse. And the last thing is we show affection to your spouse. It's PG, okay? This is a PG message. But it's important, again, to model my affection for my kids in a PG way. Then my kids will see me give my wife a kiss. Then my kids will see me write some dorky poem for my, ki- for my wife and read it to her. My, my kids can see this. They can see it modeled out, my affection for my wife. So they, will, in turn, will 
eventually do that with their own spouse. We want to display affection for a wife. Song of Solomon, this is how it opens up. Song of Solomon 1, 2, it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Let, me, let, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. We show affection. What, is it, what does it not say? It doesn't say that, let him walk in and barely make eye contact with me. Right? It doesn't say, let him come in and, and uh, barely make eye contact, for his apathy is better than wine. That's not what it says. Right? We show affection to our spouse. We model affection for our spouse in an appropriate way. It's modeled for our kids. We show affection for our spouse. So, I'm going to give you a homework assignment here. This will be easier for some, more difficult for others. But what we want to do this week is husbands, this is a homework assignment for, your, for, for, for the husbands, when you get home this week and walk into the house, we want you to give a kiss on the lips of your spouse in front of your kids, okay? This is important. Model it for your kids. So when you walk in the door, right, your love is better than wine. Give a kiss on the lips, on the lips to your spouse in front of your kids. Model it for them. Let them see how much you love your spouse. Let them see the affection you have for your spouse. For some of you, this is an easy homework assignment, right? Opportunity to kiss your wife. But make it a point, again, all these things we want to model in front of our kids to revere and esteem our spouse, to make time for our spouse, to show affection for our spouse. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for his love is better than wine. Here's the deal. How you treat your spouse shows what you think about God. How you treat your spouse shows what you think about God. It's a reflection of your relationship with God. See, there's, uh, we understand the most important thing in our family is, is, is our love and how we treat our spouse. But this comes from somewhere. For me to be able to love my spouse, to love my wife in a way in which God has designed, in a way in which God has set up, my power source is not for myself. That God has set it up in such a way that above all, the Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That the greatest relationship in my life is my relationship with God my understanding of who, who he is and what he has done in giving me his son, that I can have a relationship with him. This is where it begins, my relationship with God. And this is my power source. If I want to have a godly marriage, if I want to have a godly family, if I want to have a healthy and strong family, it begins by loving God, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then it filters. The next important thing is that I love my spouse. And through that, I love my kids. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, 
and strength. My wife needs to realize that my greatest love is not her. My greatest love is not my kids. My greatest love is God. My greatest love is for his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for me. To love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And for me to have the kind of marriage that God has designed me to have, and for me to have the kind of family that God has designed me to have, it comes through a love for him. It comes through a love for his son, Jesus. This is where it happens. And so this morning, as we continue to worship, and as we continue not only today, but for the week and the weeks to come, to think about our marriage, to think about our family, understand where it begins. It begins with him. If I want to love my wife, and if I want to have a healthy and strong family, it begins by loving him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So you're a cornerstone for our families. It begins with your relationship with God. And this morning as we take the bread and the juice, we have an opportunity to remember why we can have a relationship with God. That it's not just some head knowledge, that it's not just some, all right, I, I believe in God, but it's a relationship with his son, Jesus. It, it, that God has created a way that we can be made right through his son, Jesus. And so this morning, this is what we want to dwell on. This is what we want to think about. We want to think about Jesus. We want to think about his body that was broken and his blood that was shed, that he went and he sent his son to the cross for me and for you. And so if you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, we, we invite you this morning to come up, to take the bread and the juice, and to remember what he has done, to celebrate his body broken and his blood shed. We also have a card up here, just like last week. We want to give you something to take away, to remember, and a challenge to love your spouse, to love your spouse that the greatest thing that you can do for your family is to love your spouse. And it begins with a healthy relationship with God. So as the band comes back up and we have an opportunity to continue to worship him and, and worship him for what he has done through the cross, the bread and the juice is here for us. It's here to remind us. It's here for, for us to, to, to remember what Jesus has done his body that was broken, and his blood that was shed. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for this, this design that you have set up. That, that above all, we need to learn to love you. That above all, we need a relationship with Jesus. We need a relationship with your son. And through that relationship, we can have awesome and healthy marriages and through those healthy and loving marriages we can have healthy and loving families God this this is possible through you this is possible through your son's death on the cross but if I'm to love my kids and I'm to love my spouse that I, that I need only to look at what you have done for me that while I was your enemy, that while I was separated from you, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. 
not a great list of things that we had to do. We didn't have to get our life right. All we had to do was believe in your son, Jesus, to put our hope and our faith and our trust in him. And so this morning, we want to thank you for him. We want to thank you for his life. We want to thank you for his death and his resurrection, his power over our sin, his power over hell. God, for, for those of us this morning that are here and we see the bread and juice in front of us, but, but maybe don't know what it's about, God, may we seek to know who you are and what you've done through your son, Jesus. For some of us here this morning, we get excited about Jesus and we're excited to take the bread and the juice. God, help us to always have this excitement and this passion for Jesus. For us that, that sit here apathetic, God, may you renew our passion. God, may you restore to us the joy of our salvation. May you remind us what you have done, this great gift that you have given us in your son, Jesus. We ask you to, to restore the joy and the excitement of our salvation. This morning, we want to worship, and we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for what he has done, for the new life that, he's been, that he has given. It's in his name we pray. Amen. encourage you and challenge you this week. This isn't a message that we think of our past and are, are you know, brought down by our past, but we forget about what is behind and we press on to what lies ahead. So we want to encourage you and challenge you in your relationship with your spouse. You know the homework assignment. Make sure you do that. With your relationship with your spouse that you model for your family who God is and what he wants for their life. If you don't have a spouse, these are still great principles to think and to be challenged with as one day you may or, or even in any other relationships we may have. We want to encourage you and challenge you. And if, if your relationship isn't right with your spouse or other relationships, it begins with a healthy walk with Jesus. And if we can leave you with one thing, this is where it begins. A healthy walk with Jesus. That you pursue Him and love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray. God, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for challenging our hearts from you, from your work, that the way you have set it up is to love you above all and for our family to love our spouse and model that for our children. God, we pray that you encourage us and challenge us with that this week. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming.